Welcome back to another edition of the Designated for Assignment podcast. Rob Wong, Josh Goldberg with you back after a week off as the uh, Blue Jays playing like they are uh, taking some time off as well. They have not been good since the trade deadline four and seven as they lose yet another series, this time to the Cleveland Guardians. And Josh, you had the pleasure of watching it in person. Uh, I was there on Saturday, so I got to see them win, but you got to see them uh, lose as Kevin Gosman got babbed to death uh, for seemingly the 20th time uh, this season. But the uh, offense scoring just four runs, dropping two or three to Cleveland. The offense has gone in the tank. Uh, We'll get into Jose Barrios, who's gone in the tank yet again. George Springer is hurt, but might be close to returning. We'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline as well, but uh, lots to get to on this edition of the DFA pod. Uh, As always, you can find us on Twitter at DFA. FA underscore pod at Josh Goldberg or Jay Goldberg 12 and at Rob Wong three, four. But uh, what was it like being down at the ballpark a packed house? Everybody yeah. excited to see Kevin Gossman go out there. He's been pitching well, uh, great pitching matchup, him and the Beeb, Shane Beaver, but uh, the blue Jays just uh, shit in the bed. Uh, once again, let's uh, put it quite frankly. Yeah. Put it quite frankly. I, I was honestly fortunate. Uh, went it was with my niece for first, exposure to a ball game she's almost she's gonna be five a little bit later this year so i i was paying attention and then there were other points where i wasn't paying attention because you know little kid you gotta you gotta keep them preoccupied so i honestly feel like i kind of dodged a bullet i did see some just sloppy horrible baseball and poor kevin gosman you know the guardians battle you they grind two strikes they're fouling a lot of balls off they uh, elevated his pitch count early and and I didn't think he pitched that badly. The defense behind him, as has been the case a number of times this year, was piss poor. And, uh, you know, Kevin Biggio is in right field for some some reason. I don't know. This team has 20,000 outfielders, and yet Kevin Biggio is in right field. I, I, I don't really understand that. Yeah, it was bad. This was a bad week of baseball. They played like shit, honestly. Like, I'm trying to think how many good moments they had. I guess they re- they won one game, right? There was the the rain out against the Orioles. They they dropped the first two of that series, and then uh, they take two out of three or lose two out of three to Cleveland. That's a, just a tough week. And you know, a lot of people and we, I think, sort of were feeling uh, the managerial change and just a it kind of a shakeup led to some some good results. But outside of that series against the Red Sox since the All Star break. They haven't been very good again. You know, they had a big explosion against St. Louis, but they haven't won a series in a couple of weeks. Their offense has been hit or miss, more miss. The pitching has kind of gone in the shitter. Bullpen has actually been pretty good of late. Again, we're back in this early season doldrum of when they hit, they can't seem to pitch. When they pitch, they can't seem to hit. They're winning games like they did on Saturday, two to one. It's not good. And and we're well past 100, 100 games here. And like, are we just arriving at a point here where perhaps this team just isn't all that good? And and maybe that me, that might still be good enough to get you in the playoffs because the rest of the American League is a just dog shit pile also. But that doesn't mean that the Jays are good. I, I, I'm inclined now to say that I just don't think that they're that good. And, and maybe I'll be proven wrong and has been the case many times. But right now, it just doesn't feel like they're very good. I think the problem is there's just such a disconnect, right? Because you look, you know, obviously when any team is going at its best, you're like, holy crap, how does this team ever lose a game? 
And yeah. we saw it, you know, for some stretches in June and, you know, the early stretch there when John Schneider took over. I think part of that had to do with the fact they were playing some pretty terrible teams, uh, some shorthanded teams following the firing of Charlie Montoyo. But, you know, it's just a classic case of when they look good, they look really good. And when they look bad, they look really bad. But, you know, it's just that disconnect that there's so many talented players and pieces on this team. But for whatever reason, they're just not clicking at the same time. Um, not that you can control that. It just hasn't, you know, worked out that way where, you know, we've seen right now where, you know, Vladdy had his uh, hitting streak ended. But really, the offense of late has been Vladdy, uh, some Tay Oscar and a sprinkle of Matt Chapman here or there. I know Bo uh, got a little bit hot there uh, last week, but Alejandro Kirk sort of in the tank right now. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is still hitting okay, but uh, not as well as he was maybe a couple of weeks ago. And then beyond that, you're really not getting much. And George Springer obviously being hurt does not help uh, with that. You're back to where you only trust two guys in the rotation. And uh, one of the guys you trusted got, uh, you know, knocked around in the series finale against Cleveland here. But outside of that, I mean, Alec Manoa has started to slow down a bit. There are, you know, concerns about um, him at this point of the season is the workload um, catching up. So it, it's just weird that you see this team, you know, 61 and 52, um, still with a really strong run differential. Granted, a lot of that came in one wild, wacky game against the Boston Red Sox, but, you know, still with a large percentage chance from all the, you know, uh, you know, uh, prediction uh, projection systems that have them still making the playoffs. Uh, but what I think we can say, you know, with some confidence right now is that in the American League, it is the Astros, it is the Yankees, and then it's everyone else. So the Jays, the Rays, yeah. the Orioles, the Twins, you know, even the Guardians, you know, the White Sox, Mariners, uh, they're all kind of together. And yeah. three of these teams are going to make it uh, into the wild card. Obviously, you know, one of those three teams in the central is going to win that division. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. You know, it's hard to talk it up right now that the Jays are some World Series contender. Uh, I think, you know, you're probably being a little bit disingenuous uh, with that. If you do feel that way, do I think they're, you know, a bad team? Like, definitely not. Um, you know, they have a lot of strong pieces and when they're good, they're really good. But, you know, just. All season long, it's just been hit or miss, like you said. I, I honestly, I've sort of reached a point where, and and people might you know not be happy to hear me say this. I love baseball, so I'm and I love the Jays, so I'm gonna watch. I always have. I don't particularly enjoy watching this team play. I haven't really at any point this year. Even there, you know, there's been some moments, but it's been a grind just watching them. They they just never make life easy. Uh, for themselves it just seems like every time they get some momentum they shoot themselves in the foot or they just they they backslide a little bit and they just go back into some some poor things that have been plaguing them and they just can't seem to really get on a run a sustained run it's like they're you know a couple of games over 10 games over 512 13 whatever it's been and then they give a few back then maybe they get a few and they just can't really put it together and you look Seattle lost two out of three to Texas. So you know, the, the twins had a disastrous road trip. Like you said, um, at West, the white Sox. it's all just, it's all over the place. And that is the reason why this mediocrity that the blue Jays have found themselves in for really since the beginning of July, uh, hasn't really cost them too dearly in the standings. But you can't count on that to continue to be the case. Like some one of these teams, maybe a couple of these teams, Baltimore's cut into it, so so they're back in the picture. Uh, will will do enough if you continue to just give them 
you're opening the door for them to pass you in the standings, eventually somebody's going to do it. And the Jays have to figure out a way. I don't know if they, can they, maybe, hopefully, to play better baseball. Because if they continue to play this kind of meandering, inconsistent, maddening baseball, then I think there's a pretty decent chance that they're going to end up you know, being in a real dogfight the last week of the season and potentially on the outside looking in, you know, in the early part of October. So it's interesting, the trade deadline, you know, everybody had their opinions about it. Uh, I think ultimately I gave it like a B, B minus, like it wasn't great. Um, It wasn't as bad as I think some people painted it out. I mean, you know, when you really break it down and you look at some of the players that moved, you know, reports had them in on guys like Frankie Montas, someone in on Luis Castillo, somewhat in on Juan Soto like there was a lot of guys that moved that just you know outside of maybe Frankie Montas who it seemed like the Blue Jays were one of the you know finalists one of the runners up to what the Oakland A's you know ultimately got from the Yankees they weren't going to get Luis Castillo I don't think Uh, that was a crazy big price Seattle paid Juan Soto that just wasn't happening uh, based on some of the reporting that's out there but beyond that, I mean, we thought David Robertson and Ian Happ, uh, you know, sorry, uh, you know, Wilson Contreras, like there were some guys, Robertson moved, but there were some guys that didn't move. I mean, any of the relievers from Detroit. And I think, you know, had some of those deals gotten done, I think it would have been easier to say, you know, how are the Blue Jays not in on those guys? But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, considering some of those guys didn't move, uh, kind of said a lot about the prices um, that were out there and obviously says something about this Blue Jays farm system that maybe teams were not too high um, on it outside of the top three guys, you know, Ricky Tiedemann, Aurelius Martinez and, and Gabriel Moreno. And I don't think the Blue Jays were, you know, just moving those guys for anyone. Like, would you have traded a Ricky Tiedemann for, you know, Tyler Malley? Uh, probably not. Absolutely uh, not. I don't think so. <laughs> no. Um, you know, that's probably not something I'm doing or even a Frankie Montas who hasn't been great um, since going to New York. But the point I'm getting is, uh, you know, ultimately the moves that they made were solid and so far we've seen it pay dividends. I mean, I think Anthony Bass has been pretty darn good since coming over from uh, the Marlins. I think Zach Pop has been pretty decent. You know, I know Mitch White isn't, you know, outside of, I was going to say, isn't the sexiest pickup. He's a pretty he, sexy he's guy. Sexy. Yeah, he's a sexy guy. So that's probably sure. not the best way to put it. Yeah. But his on the field performance, it's not exactly the sexiest, um, yeah. you know, pitching you've ever seen. Uh, although he's a very sexy guy. Um, <laughs> it's just a case where, you know, they're solid moves, right? And, you know, maybe, you know, they weren't enough to move the needle, um, even though they did, you know, have pitched very well. Uh, Whit Merrifield's had his moments uh, here or there. But, I, you know, I just think, you know, with the moves and everything that they did, I don't think we maybe should have expected it to have such a massive impact. It was a situation where I think they were just raising the floor and making sure that the floor didn't completely fall out. Now they haven't been good since the deadline, but it was more just about, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we patchwork the house instead of, you know, uh, building a third floor. Yeah. They were functional moves. I think is probably the best way of putting it. They were not flashy whatsoever. Not terrible. I think I looked at it as a C fine, not spectacular, not a disaster, um, not super impressive. And I think compared to what other teams did, like I, I kind of thought that the Yankees and Astros and the Yankees have been shit also, but I think part of that is also just with how good they were playing, they were bound to encounter no matter who was on their roster after the deadline or not. Some of these doldrums that they're in, 
but the them and the Astros made real solid moves everywhere and got way better. And they extended a gulf that, as we alluded to and talked about, is already pretty large. And a lot of teams, Seattle was aggressive, and I assume that that postseason drought probably is a big uh, impetus as to why that they they made the moves that they did and were as aggressive as they were. Yeah, I'm not that upset with the Jays moves. You know, I, I've had some, some, well, the team's deflated since the deadline and their slumped shoulders and that clubhouse wanted more. And there, there could absolutely be something to be said for that. I don't, I don't think that, that that's too easy of a cop out that they're playing like shit since the deadline, because, you know, Zach pop doesn't miss enough bats in the bullpen and Whit Merrifield's the Swiss army knife who doesn't really do anything that well, but he does a bunch of things. Okay. I think, like I was saying earlier, this just ties back into this is who they've been by and large all year, up and down, up and down, great stretch, horrible stretch, great stretch or decent stretch, bad stretch or not so great stretch. This is just the way that it's been. And and I, even if Luis Castillo was here, is he alone changing that? He might give you a better chance to win than, you know, you say Kikuchi or, or sexy Mitch White, but like the guys who are here have to do a better job. Bo Bichette hasn't drawn a walk in a couple of weeks. I couldn't tell you the last time he drew a walk. Uh, there've been some, some nice moments. You know, Vladdy to Oscar Chapman have been good uh, as of late, but there's been way too much, not good. And that's the guys who are already there. The guys who are supposed to be leading you, you know, George Springer, another season marred, I would say by injuries, not ideal, hard to really combat and come back from the guys here just haven't done a good enough job and, and no deadline acquisitions. were going to make that much of a difference. If your core pieces weren't going to start to play better, which by and large still hasn't really happened in the way that I think a lot of fans expected it to, or envisioned it would look like Vladdy hitting tons of the home runs, bow on fire, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think you make a great point about, you know, trying to connect the deadline to the recent performance. Like <laughs> Alejandro Kirk wasn't like, oh, God, we got Zach Pop. Like, I'm just yeah. going to start grounding out to second base every night. Like, I'm just not interested in yeah. Zach Pop. Like, just let's hang it up here, boys. Um, <laughs> because you look at the twins who went out and got Tyler Malley. They got Jorge Lopez. They got Michael Fulmer. And they're just as bad as the Blue Jays since the trade deadline. And, you know, Jorge Lopez, not been great. He's uh, gotten knocked around a little bit. Um, Tyler Malley's gotten knocked around a little bit. So, I mean, if you're looking at a team that's like, wait, we went out and got guys that aren't even helping us. Like the Twins should have a bigger beef than the Blue Jays right now, who have uh, had some guys actually help them win some games yeah. so far um, since August 2nd. But, uh, yeah, that's enough of a trade deadline. I think we've uh, kind of beaten it to death. It's uh, already been you know, 12 days since that all uh, went down. But let's uh, get into some of the meat and potatoes going on right now with this team. And we, you know, talked a little bit about the rotation and how there's only two guys that are really trusted right now. And it's obviously Kevin Gossman, obviously uh, Alec Manoa. Uh, Got to start with Jose Barrios, who just had an absolute mess of a game against Cleveland on Friday night. And it's now back-to-back tire fires after six really good starts. And, I, like, I know everyone's been trying to diagnose 
what it is uh, that's been, you know, bothering Jose Brios, whether yeah. it's, you know, pitch tipping at the beginning of the season, he's moving from the third base side of the rubber to the first side of the first base side of the rubber back to the third base side. He's trying, you know, different arm slots. He's trying, you know, different, uh, you know, windups and all this different stuff. Like, it's pretty clear that he doesn't even know, like he said as much. And I believe him when he's like, yeah, I just don't know like what's going on just game to game. We know pitchers, you know, get, bring their A stuff or their B stuff or their C stuff. It's never always the same stuff, you know, game to game. That's just the way uh, pitching goes. But I can't remember like in at least recent times where a Blue Jays pitcher just had such a confounding season where it just didn't make sense. Like maybe at the end of the year, we find out, you know, Jose Brios has been dealing with something like all year long that was, you know, nagging enough that he didn't need to go on the IL, but it was enough to just kind of hinder him all season yeah. long. Like I could see that because uh, nothing else really makes sense. I mean, the sticky stuff is gone. Like he's been pitching this way, dating even back to last season where he was really good and his, you know, short second half stint with the Blue Jays. Um, the velocity is fine. He's, you know, still occasionally getting some a ton of whiffs and then all of a sudden it's not getting any whiffs. Like I just, I don't think either of us really has an answer for what is going on because Jose Barrios doesn't. So why would we? Yeah, it's so confounding is the right word for it. It's it's a, a real puzzler. I And boy, oh boy, if this doesn't get figured out, good Lord, we're just getting into the start of that contract. And if he's anywhere near this bad for the lion's share of that contract, that's the type of contract that really hamstrings you and, and hurts your payroll. And you have this kind of commitment to somebody who can't perform to that level. I, it's just, it's so bizarre that one of the most consistent starting pitchers over the last basically half decade has just become the opposite of consistent. He's all over the place. He's either horrible or pretty good. And you know, his horrible starts have really hurt them and, and taxed their bullpen and obviously juiced up his ERA. And it's just been uh, really, really ugly. And his fastball to me is just not consistent. Sometimes it looks really sharp and, and that I feel like is when he's better. And then there are other times where it just seems like he has no feel for it. It's flat, it's hittable and it gets teed off on. And then it allows, you know, hitters to, I think, get a better sense of his curveball and his changeup, et cetera. And those aren't as good. And we always say that, and this is the age old adage that if you don't have good feel for your fastball, you're probably not going to be very good as really any pitcher, but especially as a starting pitcher. And I think too many times this year, his fastball has just not been something that he can go to because like there's at bats where he's just flipping curveball after curveball after curveball or change up after change up after change up because you can just tell it's, Oh, well, I have, I have no feel whatsoever uh, for this fastball. And I'd rather just go to pitches that I feel a little bit better on, but if you're just throwing off speed, off speed, off speed hitters are going to do damage. And I don't know what you do here. Uh, like I didn't think that the rotation was as much of a need at the deadline. Sorry to harken, harken back, <laughs> but with him struggling the way that he has, it definitely looks like, you know, they, they took a risk, a, a calculated risk that he would be more of the pitcher that he's been at times this year. He was last year and he has been his career and thought that, well, that if he can be that pitcher and we don't need to augment our rotation as much. And so far that obviously looks like a miscalculation. We'll see if he can bounce back, but if he doesn't, they're 
kind of up Shit's Creek a little bit. Yeah, it's just I just like keep scratching my head because it doesn't make sense. He's, you know, occasionally has these outrageous starts where he's just unhittable. And then he just, you know, goes back to where he can't get a single whiff. And it's just truly, truly incredible um, to watch him. Like, just to give you an example of like the type of season he's having, because I know, uh, you you know, people have talked about his ERA and among, you know, qualifying pitchers with a certain amount of innings, he's like dead last. And that's obviously not good. Like, I'm not giving him a pass by any means and saying, hey, like uh, Jose Barrios has been worth the $20 million this year. Like, that's not um, what I'm saying at all. But when you look at quality starts, and I know that's not the be all and end all, he's got more quality starts than, uh, you know, a guy like Tony Gonsolin, who was an all-star this year. He's got more quality starts. Uh, He's got tied for quality starts with Dylan Cease, who has an ERA of 196. Like he, as you said, he's either been amazing and really good, or he's been truly horrific. And that's why um, his ERA is sitting um, where it's at. But it's, you know, not a case where, you know, the Blue Jays can't afford to give him some time off because he's not hurt. Like the velocity is still there. And, um, or I shouldn't say he's not hurt. Like he's not outwardly hurt that he can't go out there and pitch. Um, They're just going to have to keep throwing him out there and just hope that they get good Barrios. We all remember uh, Joey Graham, the former Raptor. You get either good Joey graham or bad joey graham and more often than not you got bad joey graham uh but you just kind of hope you get good jose barrios because he's not going to figure it out uh you know not pitching uh he's not going to figure it you're not going to send him down or something right like i don't even know if you can i don't know if he has options no he doesn't have options so it's not like uh, a situation where you can send him off for a while the blue jays need him up in the major leagues and uh hopefully it's the flip of the coin and they get uh good jose barrios because we just see it. Uh, the difference that it makes when you've got three guys you can trust in a Barrios, Scotsman, and Manoa. And I'm not even talking about the playoffs, just on any given week when you've got three guys that can go out there and you don't have to, you know, worry as much about what you're going to get. It just makes um, such a big difference because uh, you say Kikuchi, who can move on to next, continues to be a mess. Um, and, you know, again, it's sort of, I don't know what you do. Like they've tried seemingly everything for this guy. And I know people uh, really shit on him last time out because, you know, you saw it in the Twitter mentions and people being like, this guy's a joke. Like he's not even trying out there. He's not trying to, you know, figure these problems out. And it's like pretty clear that's not the situation. Yeah, uh, God. He's trying everything as well alongside Jose Barrios, trying to, you know, figure out what can I do to even just give my team some competitive outings and, you know, <laughs> kudos to Kikuchi, I guess, for getting his team into the sixth, despite giving up five earned runs on uh, six hits and three bombs. Uh, but the bar is just so incredibly low. Uh, right now for uh, Kikuchi. I guess the saving grace is that Ross Stripling is going to be back on Wednesday. And, you know, Kikuchi's making the start on Monday, but, you know, this sort of puts that question out there now with, you know, Mitch White, uh, Ross Stripling, Jose Barrios isn't going anywhere. Like, is this the time where if you say Kikuchi goes out there tomorrow uh, on Monday evening and gets his uh, tits lit again, (laughs) like, is he going to the bullpen? Uh, Because, like, you know, Mitch White, he's given them something, and it's he's given them more than Yusei Kikuchi uh, so far in a couple of starts. I guess you could send him to the bullpen. I don't really know what good that is. He he becomes your Trent Thornton because enough of Trent Thornton. Yeah. Just enough, please. <laughs> just an aside, yeah. stop with this. Just stop it with this. See again, it's like you bring him into a three run game. He gives up two runs. Any faint hope of a comeback dies on on the uh, operating table. It's just he's had his moments. You know, push that. Uh, 
push that boat off into the into the current and, and let it ride away. Like, yeah, okay, so Kikuchi's your mop-up guy, sure. It, people have said, well, that stuff should play in the bullpen. Why not, you know, you, your Tim Mays is out, throw him into the bullpen. You think that fucking guy is going to go into the bullpen and be able to command his stuff and throw strikes in some short stint where he needs to be sharp right away and throw a ton of strikes in some degree of leverage. Are you out of your mind? There is no way that this is happening. Like, I I wonder, is there something between the ears? I don't know what is going on there. He obviously had to tinker with a lot this year and and change up a lot of different things. And I, I assume that's part of it. He's been a super inconsistent pitcher his entire career. So it's not that surprising. He really hasn't been inconsistent this year. He's been shit outside of one month. And other than that, he's been, he's been shit. I, I don't know. There's not really any other more diplomatic way uh, I could put it. So I don't know what you do there aside from seeing if he'll go to triple a and just making him disappear for a while, or just putting him into, into mop up duty in the bullpen because if stripling's back, uh, I don't know how you can continue starting him because like you said, Mitch white, two strikes, it's not that impressive. He doesn't have plus plus put away stuff, but he gives you a better chance to win a ball game than you say Kikuchi. And I think it's an, it's pretty damning that Ross Stripling coming back is seen as a real momentous thing potentially for the rotation. Because you think back to April, May, the thought of Ross Stripling starting a game going into the season was, well, shit, something would have had to really go wrong here for Ross Stripling to be starting a game. And he's done a nice job this year, but I would caution kind of temper your expectations. Like if you're expecting Ross Stripling to come and give you six, seven innings every time out, that's not going to happen. If he gives you six, that's a huge success. It's more of the five. If he can give you five, five and a third, five and two thirds, you're thrilled with that. If he gives he just wanted to give you a chance to win and not blow out your bullpen. And I think he's up to that task, but he shouldn't be looked at as a savior. He should just be looked at as somebody who can help you raise the floor a little bit, a little bit and stem the tide as well. Yeah, he just needs some consistency. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, it was obviously tough for Charlie Montoyo. You could just, you know, see it in his comments. Uh, you know, really picked on Yusei Kikuchi a lot. But, you know, I can't imagine it's fun for uh, Pete Walker and John Schneider to go into a ball game with three of their five starters and wondering, what am I going to get? Uh, am I going to get anything from Jose Brios today? Like, the, the it's crazy that there's at least two guys in Kikuchi and Brios, just because we've seen it this year. You don't know if these guys are making it out of the second inning. Like I that's like like it's that's wild to me. Yeah. That there's two guys you're like, I don't know if they're getting to the third. Like that's how crazy uh bad their seasons have been this year. They've been two of the worst pitchers uh statistically uh in all of baseball this year. But you know, Brios has shown flashes. Like I don't need to keep hearkening back on that. But um, yeah, it's just uh a tough situation the Blue Jays are in because they don't have options outside of you know Ross Stripling. Now they have Mitch White. Um, but you know, if those guys continue to pitch well. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, goes on with Yusei Kikuchi because um, I doubt they're going to want to run a six-man rotation, uh, even though maybe they want to give Alec Manoa some time off uh, to just kind of get him through the rest of the season to make sure he's not completely burnt out. But uh, boy, oh boy, the uh, rotation, bit of a mess right now with uh, how things have gone uh, so far. Uh, interesting. 
uh, to see on the newswire from our buddy uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet that the Blue Jays are one of many teams showing interest in former Blue Jay Ken Giles, who was uh, recently designated for assignment by the Seattle Mariners. Giles, of course, uh, not the same guy he was a couple of years ago following uh, TJ surgery, and uh, he was uh, injured in a game earlier this year against the Blue Jays. What was his back? I think it was his back, right? Uh, he left the ball game, but uh, interesting move for uh, the Mariners. Obviously, they needed to, to free up some roster spots here. But 100-mile Giles, uh, not no longer uh, anymore, but uh, still someone who you know has a track record. Josh still throws uh, in the mid-90s, uh, small sample size, very small sample size, but uh, struck out 33% of the hitters he faced uh, earlier this year. Also walking uh, 22% of the hitters that he faced this season. So um, some numbers there that uh, kind of freak you out, but some positives. I mean, the Blue Jays took flyers on Sergio Romo and they took flyers on uh, Anthony Bonda. Yeah. Like Ken Giles, uh, at least here's a guy that, you know, has a track record of being uh, recently, anyways, a very good pitcher. I mean, Romo obviously has been good uh, in a long time ago, but uh, at least with Ken Giles, there feels like there's some upside. How interested would you be? in uh, picking up Kenny G. Yeah, I would say I have some interest uh, in Giles. He's not the pitcher that he used to be, and they are obviously major, major injury concerns. But you know, the, the deadline moves were nice. Anthony Bass and Zach Pop have already had some solid moments, but neither are super high strikeout guys. I know Bass has juiced his K rate with an improved slider this year, but you know, Giles, even in limited, very limited uh, outings, innings this year, it's still at a K per nine over 12. He still misses bats. Even if his stuff is not quite as sharp and it's the velos diminished, there's no harm in it. I, it sounds like there's going to be competition because anyone who can miss a bat this late in the season being available on the scrap heap, contending teams are going to be interested because you can never have enough guys to throw down the stretch and in the playoffs. And like I still look at this bullpen as not having nearly enough of uh, of that swing and miss. It's just you're still asking guys like Simber and Pop, like I mentioned, to you know rely on some balls in play. Even Jordan Romano, who's had been really good this year and and had a nice multi inning, more than three out save on Saturday. There were still some balls in play. He got a called strike on Stephen Kwan to end the game, but he hasn't been anywhere near as overpowering. Uh, as he was last year, there's just, there's not elite swing and miss really anywhere in this bullpen. And Ken Giles still has that him alone, even if he was great, isn't going to make this bullpen lockdown, but it would help if he can be consistent, he would be no question, a huge boost. So you, on that alone, you at least take a shot at it, see what happens. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out, but uh, you know, no harm, no foul type situation for me. Yeah, it really says a lot about the Blue Jays' bullpen, just based off the swing and miss stuff. I mean, you take the stats aside, um, you know, he's got a zero ERA. It's only four and a third innings. But, I mean, you can make the case that if Ken Giles came back to the Blue Jays, he might be their fourth best reliever. (laughs) You know, you've got Romano, Jimmy Garcia, Anthony Bass, and then, I mean, might be Ken Giles. Like I know Adam Simber has been good. Um, Zach Pop's been interesting, uh, but that just kind of shows you where they're at right now uh, with some of the options that they have in the pen. But uh, I would be very interested if the uh, Blue Jays decided to bring back uh, Kenny G. And uh, as Ben Nicholson Smith says, uh, looks like a deal could come together soon with Giles and someone uh, that's out there looking for his services. I mean, you would think uh, it'd have to be a contending team and maybe it's a team that can offer him, you know, something to showcase 
his talents and not just, you know, hey, can come in and just mop up duty, like actually, you know, pitch in a somewhat medium to high leverage situation to show that you can still do it. And then when you go back into the pool next year in the offseason, uh, maybe someone will pick you up and give you a nice little uh, chunk of change to pitch out of their bullpen. But uh, time to get to listener questions. As always, you can reach us at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong 34 at Jake Goldberg 12. Got some pretty good ones today. Wanted to start off this one because when I saw it, it immediately made me laugh. Uh, Matt tweets at us, why are we so shit? And uh, not us, but the, the Blue Jays he's talking about. Why the Blue Jays so shit? And you know, we kind of talked about it earlier that just nothing has come together um, this season. You can't always plan for that. I mean, the Yankees were having like a dream season for a good, you know, three months there. And then the injuries start to pile up. You know, Michael King gets hurt. Giancarlo Stan's been banged up. All of a sudden, Josh Donaldson's not, you know, hitting anymore. And you've got a team that's still, you know, winning games, but not at the same clip. Uh, they are what, like eight and I think 14 uh, in their last 22 games. And uh, as we are recording this, uh, I think they're losing to the Red Sox um, as well. So things not going great for the Yankees. But, you know, I think for the Blue Jays, a lot of it just had to do um, with expectations, Josh, which were, you know, high coming into the season and deservedly so. I mean, the Blue Jays were seen as a World Series contender. You know, in hindsight, uh, I don't think we ever saw like the Yankees having the type of season that they've had, um, but the Blue Jays are in the mix with a lot of those other teams that we talked about in the wild card. So again, the Blue Jays are not shit. They're nine games above 500. Uh, shit is Oakland Athletics, Detroit Tigers. You know, that is shit. Um, but yeah, maybe they're not the World Series contender that we saw. Maybe they are more just a team uh, that's good and, you know, could make things happen if they get into the postseason. But uh, yeah, they're not shit. Like I'm not willing to go there. No, no, I, I, I did appreciate that. Uh, that direct question. No question. And it was very funny, but yeah, shit is harsh. They're playing like shit uh, of late. We will not sugarcoat that there have been players on this team who have been quote unquote shit or played like shit for the lion's share. I think I said, you say Kikuchi has been shit this year. And I stand by that as harsh as that may be. He's just not been good. If, if you want to be more diplomatic, he's been bad. There you go. Um, yeah. It's hard for me to really get a good valuation just based on the rest of the AL. It's just such a muddled mess. And like, to me, this guardian series, the Jays are, have been this season less than the sum of their parts, and the Guardians are more than the sum of their parts. The Guardians, you look at that roster today, that lineup, it's just like, what? How is this team having any success? They play this soul-sucking brand of baseball where they hit no home runs, but they, they put <laughs> the ball in play. They put the ball in play. And I've seen the... someone say it's very similar to the 2015 Royals. It's like I that can't... type of baseball. Yeah, and I, I said, and and you know, some people disagreed, and, and I think that they would be a team I would not want to see in the playoffs. You know, They have legitimate starting pitching. They have a couple of wipeout arms in the back end of the bullpen and Karinchak and Classe. Uh, and they have guys who are scrappy and get on base and put the ball in play. And when you put the ball in play in the postseason, strange shit can happen sometimes, you know, that you, you want to be able to just make as much contact as possible. And they do that. And the Jays, there was a lot of long swings and a lot of swing and miss and a lot of just first or second pitch bounce one to the left side of the infield. Cleveland grinded that their ass all weekend. And I don't think it's that surprising that the Jays went two and five against Cleveland this year. 
you know, Cleveland just finds a way to get the job done in these types of situations. And the Jays, you know, more often than not, they have that one kind of haymaker with a home run. And more often than not, you know, you can't always go to that against good teams and, and good pitching staffs. And that was a problem this week. They're just, they had Bieber on the ropes in the first inning, you know, couldn't get to him. And then, you know, you sit there and you think, Sheesh, you know, you let him off the hook here. That feels like a missed opportunity, a decent chance that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And they immediately took the lead in the next inning and then never relented. And, you know, that uh, it was, uh, to me, exposed some of the weaknesses I think we already knew existed uh, with the Jays. Yeah, that kind of morphs well into the next question here from DK, who says, would you consider this offense elite? They're around top five and runs scored, but they so often can score more than just uh, two, three runs per game. Is it a situation where they just crush, crush bad pitching? Does every team have these dry spell periods? I mean, yeah, every team has these dry spell periods. Uh, the Blue Jays are having one right now. They were a really good offense in July. They're pretty darn good in June as well. And uh, right now at last glance, they're, you know, just under 100 WRC plus for the month of August for the first two weeks uh, of this month. So yeah, they haven't been great and they especially haven't been strong the last, you know, know uh, 10 games or so uh, where they've just not been able to put much together uh, obviously pace uh, face some really good pitching this weekend against uh, Cleveland but they're you know a good offense uh, maybe they're not elites but I think it's a situation Josh where you know there are some guys on this team that are you know that have weaknesses and it's easy to attack them whether it's a Bo Bichette and I don't mean to pick on Bo but we know what his strengths are and we know what his weaknesses are and maybe this is a season where teams are just going right at his weaknesses and he's just not adjusting too well um, Teoscar Hernandez is having a really strong run and has gotten up back to sort of his previous levels so um, I think it's pretty clear that he has evolved Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has evolved as a hitter. Uh, Vladdy's not having the same season he was a year ago, but he's been on a nice little uh, run here. But, you know, I think it's huge. Uh, we haven't really talked a ton about him, but not having a healthy George Springer uh, yeah. in this lineup is just such a big difference. And I don't think we realize it. Um, you know, I said beginning of the season uh, when Teoscar Hernandez went down that, okay, the, this Jays offense and it came back to bite me in the butt because they couldn't score at all for like the first uh, month and a half. But I said, you know, if Teoscar goes down, that's not a big loss because they've still got Springer. They've still got Bo. They've still got Vladdy. You know, they've got, if they have at least three of those guys, they can go for a while without him. Um, and it didn't work out because nobody got anything going, but the loss of Springer just makes such a big difference because to have that catalyst at the top of the lineup that, you know, I don't want to use, you know, the cliche term, but sets the tone. Like that's a guy that sets the tone because oh, yeah. he can hit a lead off Jack, right? Like that's the thing. Like he can get you on the board instantly in the first AB uh, of a game. And we've seen it like in the short stint of George Springer as a blue Jay, when he is healthy, he is one of the better hitters in all of major league baseball. I know you tweeted out recently, the blue Jays record when he's in the lineup and when he's not in the lineup. Now, surprisingly, when he's not in the lineup, I think the blue Jays still have a winning record, but when he's in the lineup, they are much better. They win a lot more games than, than they lose. And not having him uh, in the lineup right now at his um, maximum effectiveness is just trickling down because it forces Lourdes Goriel Jr., who's been great, to all of a sudden have to hit lead off. And then you're forced to, no offense to, you know, Rymel Tappy, who's been great uh, at times, but you got to play him more. You got to play Whit Merrifield more. You got to play Kevin Vigio more. And I know, uh, you know, hampered George Springer hasn't been great, 
but I'd still rather have 70% George Springer than Rymel Tapia or Kevin Biggio playing, you know, four times a week. Yeah, no question. And I, I, the, I'm pretty sure the Jays are about a 500 team without Springer in the lineup and almost 30 games above 500 in the nearly 170 games he's played as a Blue Jay. And it's, a lot of that is because he's, he's hit 40 home runs and 167 games as a Jay, been a five win player and basically a full season worth of at bats. And I understand he was really amazing last year and has just been, he's been good this year. He hasn't been excellent, but he's still been. 20 to 25% better than league average. He's still a very, very good player, but it is very alarming that two seasons into a six year deal, a player who certainly had some, some question marks with injuries has already missed significant time in the first two years. And I think that there's going to be some question about, well, can you go into set next season, really expecting him to be, an everyday or close to everyday center fielder, you know, he's well, he's well past 30 at this point. He's not, you know, he's not 35 yet, but he's not 31 anymore. Um, You know, he's not necessarily somebody that I think you can bank on um, as a, as a guy who can play everyday center field. And then, you know, is that something you look to address? Do you move him to right field? What does that mean for Tay Oscar? the easiest thing would be if he continues playing center field, but it is real concerning that there's been, you know, leg injuries or a quad, whatever. Now he's got an elbow thing. It's just the body breaks down. He plays a pretty rugged style out there too. He's not afraid to lay out for a ball, which I admire, but uh, there's, I think going to be an interesting sort of, conversation and dilemma that unfolds this year as to what you know you do with him going forward to ensure he stays on the field because I don't really give a shit where he plays I just want him in the lineup as much as possible because he absolutely makes them a better team Uh, and they shouldn't be splintering the way that they are without him but you know you have to find a way to keep him in there because you know he just makes too much of a difference uh, to this ball club. Yeah, it's, it honestly scares me, this uh, elbow injury. Uh, we'll see how he looks coming back. We know he got a, uh, I think it was a cortisone injection to try to uh, take out the pain and just uh, take out the inflammation in the elbow. And they've obviously never said what it is. Um, you know, is it uh, bone spurs, possibly? Uh, is it a UCL deal? Oof, that's that's scary to think that, you know, he might be dealing with uh, Tommy John on the table in the offseason. Now, we have seen uh, Shoei Otani, Uh, do it, but it was in his, uh, you know, pitching elbow and he swings from the left side. So uh, it doesn't have as much of an effect when he swings the bat and he was able to swing the bat uh, coming back before coming on the mound, uh, making his return to the mound. So uh, unfortunately for Springer, it's the trail arm and we've seen it on some of the swings where he just grabs at it and it just really bugs him. So um, this is going to be really interesting to see how he is health wise the rest of the season um, after this injection and when he's able to come back off the injured list, but uh, have Having him in the lineup and being somewhat effective just makes a big difference. And uh, I think um, with regards to this offense, it's just not the same without him. I want to grab one more question here. Greg says, would you take the interim title off John Schneider in the offseason, or do you hire somebody with some experience? I know it's not his fault, but will the Jays be looking for a new pitching coach as uh, for next year as well with uh, regards to Pete Walker, who uh, 
how quickly the tough, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know sentiment on P Walker has changed. Uh, obviously, did not start off great with the uh, DUI nope. down in uh, Dunedin prior to the season, but you know not able to work his magic on Yusei Kikuchi. Um, Jose Barrios has had a rough season. Uh, there's been some moments just uh, have not worked out uh, in his favor. I don't see that happening. I mean, Pete Walker's been around here for so long and he's had a lot of success here. Um, so I just, yeah, can't, I'd be surprised if the Blue Jays were to make a change there with yeah. regards to uh, the pitching coach. And I don't think, you know, as much as we've heard in the past, you know, guys like Eric Wedge or Bud Black, like, I think ultimately, you know, for sure, back in 2019, maybe some of those guys, I mean, even Rocco Baldelli would have been their first choice, but I think they've slowly been grooming John Schneider to be that guy. And it says a lot that they went to him to be the guy um, after Charlie Montoyo. They could have gone a multitude of different ways, but um, I think John Schneider is going to be the full-time manager. The interim tag is coming off and, and he's going to be the guy for the next two to three years and whatever happens happens. They'll reevaluate after a couple of seasons, either this thing's going to get better or it's just not going to go anywhere. And uh, that might mean the end of the front office as well. Uh, but yeah, John, John Schneider is the the guy here. I would say for, for at least the next two to three seasons. Yeah. I would be truly stunned if he is not the full-time guy next year. You know, the, it's like you said, this has been the momentum uh, has been building towards this for a while. I think, well over a year um like even dating back to perhaps the end of 2020 i think there was some thought that you know john schneider was sooner than later going to be the manager of the jays and and he's gotten that opportunity and short of this thing just absolutely disintegrating which i guess could happen but i i still think that they're going to be in the hunt at the very very least and and still probably more likely than not to to find a way into the playoffs in one of those wildcard spots, I think he'll be back. And I, I would be curious to see, you know, with a full off season, a full regular spring training with no lockout, no situation, you know, how he commands a clubhouse, because I, I do think there is some good there. Uh, you know, there've been some, some head scratching moves at times, but for the most part, I haven't found anything he's done to be supremely egregious and, uh, you know, you're not you're not uh, getting rid of him after everything that happened this year. After what would it even be somewhere in the 60 or so game range, 60, 70 games? To me, that's not really that much of a sample size uh, unless you really stink the joint up uh, to make a declaration on a guy. Yeah, I just can't see it happening with regards to to John Schneider. He is the guy moving forward here. Maybe they make some tweaks uh, with his staff if, uh, you know, the Blue Jays don't make the playoffs and, you know, someone has to take the fall for missing the postseason for a second year uh, in a row. But uh, John Schneider is uh, going to be the manager of this team heading into next season. All right, let's get to the Teoscars player of the week Four candidates for, uh, I guess, the last couple of weeks if we want to meld it all together but uh, Matt Chapman continues to swing a hot bat as does Teoscar Hernandez they are two of the candidates Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who had his hitting streak come to an end but uh, has been on fire especially uh, post the uh, post all-star break and uh, Anthony Bass one of the newcomers has had a nice little run here since returning to the Blue Jays and uh, pitching in Toronto as a Blue Jay for the first time out of these four guys Josh who are you going with this week I'll go with Teoscar because he had really the signature moment of a real crummy week with that home run where I honestly thought he didn't get all of it. It seemed like it was in on his hands a little bit, but he's just got such great power and he can get the barrel 
uh, on the ball, even on a pitch like that, to drive it to deep left center field the way that he did. Has had a lot of good at-bats, you know, drove in a run on Sunday, has just really found his stride again and has become one of the more consistent power hitters in the American League, which is a crazy thing to say considering where he was a couple of years ago. And it's a testament to his work ethic uh, and his ability to make some changes. And uh, uh, he's been great this year and, and they're going to need him to continue to do so down the stretch here if they have hopes of making it to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Teoscar has uh, found his form, which is nice to see after a tough start to the season with the injury and uh, then some underperformance when he came back. But uh, he is on a roll right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Vladdy. I know the 22-game hit streak uh, ended, but uh, it was pretty good, much better than the hit streak he had earlier in this season where it was just kind of like bloop hits and just little ground balls that were trickling through and he did get some of those uh, on this little run but uh, hitting the ball a lot harder with more authority um, you know looking at the the box scores and the game logs uh, over those 22 games had a hard hit percentage of 51 percent just a shade under 52 percent so uh, he was uh, stinging a lot of balls over that stretch and has looked a lot better still not the 2021 version of Vladdy but uh, definitely in uh, I would say the best spot he's been all season long compared to where he was uh, you know earlier early on in the year. Um, he just looks to be a lot more locked in uh, at the plate. And yeah, he's not going to be amazing every single game. Uh, Shane Bieber's a tough cookie to go up against, and he definitely had Vladdy's number in the series finale. But uh, more often than not, we've seen uh, Vladdy square up baseballs over uh, the last you know month or so. So my selection will go to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As always, you can reach us on the Twitter machine at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong 34 and at Jay Goldberg 12. It's a big week ahead for the Blue Jays. Josh is the they've got the Baltimore Orioles, the stingy, uh, scrappy Baltimore Orioles coming into Rogers Center for three games and then a massive four game set against the New York Yankees. <sighs> In years past, this would have been, you know, you would have felt great uh, with the Orioles coming in for the first of three to give you a little momentum before taking on the Yankees. But uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, seven straight games here against teams uh, in the playoff mix. Uh, what are your expectations for the next seven days here? I, I'm going to hold my breath, honestly, and, and hope for the best. You know, you say Kikuchi starting it off on Monday is not ideal, I would say, especially against a team that he just... He could make uh, two starts this week. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> that's, I guess that's really a perfect microcosm is he might he might make two starts this week in a pretty important week against two teams well one team in the Orioles but the Yankees are always dangerous uh, especially at Yankee Stadium so uh, you know prepared for the worst hoping for the best I guess is what I'm going to say absolutely great way to put it uh, we will reconvene in a week's time and talk all about it good bad or ugly that'll do it for this edition of the designated for assignment pod make sure you like review and subscribe to the pod wherever you get it for josh i'm rob we'll talk to you in a week's time